Before I get into uh, the message today, I feel like I need to and want to say just a little bit about the United Methodist General Conference that was uh, this past week. I know most of you got the email that I sent out about it. Um, as you know, on Tuesday, by a narrow margin, uh, that global body um, held to the denomination's traditional policy, uh, not allowing same-sex weddings, uh, not allowing uh, people in same-sex relationships to be pastors. And uh, I know that for a lot of you, you were really hoping and counting on that the church would change its stand on those things. And to hear this was just like a punch in the gut to you. And others of you were, you know, you know really hoping and that, that the church would not change its stand on those things. And, and, you know, there was kind of a sigh of relief about that. And, uh, and I'm here and I'm... I feel like I'm not sure what to say sometimes. And, uh, but what I can say is that you're my people. And I love you. And uh, this has affected me at a, at a deep level that I am still, I'm still praying through this. I'm still working through it, trying to understand, you know, the way to lead, to lead our church. But I do know this, that Jesus' arms are big enough to hold all of us. And he said, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. His arms are big enough for us, so we have to have big arms too. And I can also say that, that we are the same church that we were last week and the week before. We're the same people. We're the same community that he has brought together. Um, there's also a lot about General Conference that is yet to, I mean, there's still things going to come that we don't know. You know, what things are going to be ruled unconstitutional based on the church's constitution and, and, and not, and, and there's just a lot uh, that's, that's yet to be known. I hope I know a little bit more in a few weeks than I do today. So uh, on, on March 24th, after worship, we're going to have a little lunch Anybody wants to stay around uh, for questions, I'll do my best to respond to the ones I can. Uh, it would really be helpful if you sent me your questions in email in advance. <laughs> uh, but anyway, and it won't last that long. Uh, we'll have some nice lunch, respond to what questions I can, I can respond to. We won't add, I will not give anybody's name who submits a question, okay, just so you know. But now, since I've announced that, I've learned that the bishop is going to have a similar kind of time that same afternoon at St. Andrew's United Methodist, and all of us are invited. So I'm going to make sure we're out in well enough time uh, to, so that anybody who wants to go to that also can do that as well. And the bishop has also written a letter to all of us, and I will, be, I will be forwarding that to you by email this week as well. Okay? So let's pray. Oh, Lord, it has been so hard to see the, how, how torn apart your people are and how broken we are and how easy it is for us to abuse one another in the process. And so, Lord, we're asking for the healing work of your Holy Spirit, that you will unify us, uh, that you will make us holy by your word, and let Faith Westwood be known for its love. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.
Well, as some of you know, I went to, uh, I went to a one-room country schoolhouse in grade school through sixth grade. And uh, it was, you know, it was real, like little house on the prairie stuff, right? I mean, we had no running water. We had to bring in our water every morning from a pump. We had, we had no restrooms. We had outhouses. People going, really? Yeah, we did. And uh, we had to walk uphill both ways in six feet of snow every day, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but anyway, every morning, our, our teacher, Mrs. Priest, who I was very fond of her, uh, we, we would stand up and we would put our hands over our hearts and we'd pledge allegiance to the flag every morning. And then, with our hands to our side, I remember this, at least one school year, we, sit, we recited the 23rd Psalm, school. That was right before the Supreme Court said, uh, uh, you can't do that anymore. Anyway, I've been thinking about the things that we recite, uh, that we learned to recite when we were children. And uh, isn't that kind of something to go back to? Uh, so what I want you to do now is, is to uh, uh, turn to one another, make groups of about four, plus or minus, and, and respond to this question, what's one thing you learned to recite when you were a kid? Maybe you learned the Gettysburg Address. Good for you. Or the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you learned to say all 50 states or all the presidents. Maybe you memorized Twas the Night Before Christmas or John 3.16 or a bedtime prayer or a table grace. So whatever it is that you, I want you to just kind of gather up and look for somebody who might be alone near you. Don't let them be alone without inviting them to join you. And, and just say whatever, whatever it was you remember that you learned to recite when you were a kid, okay? All right. Well, did you, did you hear about some interesting ones out there? Huh? I suppose a lot of them are pretty just things we all know about, but I'm sure some of you learned some unusual, to recite some unusual things as well. Anyway, the season of Lent uh, leading up to Easter doesn't start till this Wednesday, which is Ash Wednesday, but we're starting our Lenten Sunday series a week early, and it's going to be, and it's now on the Apostles' Creed. Now, in the early centuries of the church, it was common for Christians, uh, new Christians, to study the Apostles' Creed during Lent and maybe even memorize it, okay? And then they would be baptized on Saturday, the day before Easter. Um, 
And uh, so my hope is that by the end of this series, maybe some of you will go, oh yeah, I, I know it by heart now. Uh, or uh, maybe you'll just say, you know, I think I've learned more about the Apostles' Creed than I did before. But I also want you to know that the goal is not just information, okay? It's also we want to experience God through the, through the Apostles' Creed. We want a combination of head learning and heart burning, if you know what I mean, okay? And I believe, you know, the timing of this could not be better because the Apostles' Creed is meant to be a unifying experience. This is what we believe. We unite around our common faith. Now, I grew up Methodist, uh, and like most Methodists, we grew up learning a version of the Apostles' Creed that did not include a traditional line in it, and I really don't know why. But we tended to leave out, he descended to the dead. And there are other versions of that as well. But I am including it here uh, that we'll be using uh, during this series. And we're also using a version of it that's going to have a little updated language that a lot of you aren't going to be used to, but I'm hoping you'll kind of uh, feel that there's some value in it. Uh, the version that we're going to use uh, uses the word creator rather than maker. Uh, it's going to say, instead of from thence, it'll say from there. Okay? Instead of the quick and the dead, it'll say the living and the dead, which is what the quick and the dead means. Okay? Uh, it will keep the phrase the Holy Catholic Church, but that does not mean the Roman Catholic Church. It means the universal church of all believers in Jesus everywhere. Now, this is the version that we'll be using is in, the, is in this book that we've got here for, for Lent. It's called Creed, uh, and it's at the end of the introduction. Uh, I know we've, we've, been have, we've had it out the last couple of Sundays, but guess what? Not, all, not all, that many of us have been able to come the last couple of Sundays. So uh, you can pick that up today uh, at the book table, which is just uh, as you're heading toward the east entrance. It uh, has, also has daily scripture readings, a guidance for meditation and reflection. And so this is, this is really also about experiencing God. Not just, you know, read it, get a little quick information but it's about leading us into an experience of God using Scripture and the, and the Apostles' Creed. Now, you might say, Steve, what is a creed? Um, well, a creed is simply a statement of belief. And, and it comes from the Latin word credo, which means I believe. Uh, the Apostles' Creed is an ancient summary of biblical belief and it is built on the outline of the Trinity. And so you're going to see as we go through it in a minute, uh, it says, I believe three times for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, uh, now other times I'm going to have you stand to say this together, but today I'm going to have you stand in another time in a little bit. So you remain seated this time, uh, and I want us to worship God uh, with these words. Let's join together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven 
and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Now, today, we're going to focus on the first part of that. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Now, you might ask, well, why do we even have an Apostles' Creed? I mean, why do we even, who needs it? I mean, we've got the Bible, right? That's enough. Well, I want you to tell you a little bit of history. About a century after Jesus' death and resurrection, a guy named Marcion came to Rome. He moved to Rome. He was a Christian, joined one of the local congregations there. He was a gifted speaker, very persuasive. Uh, he, and he began instructing people in his unique ideas. And a lot of people were kind of really amazed by them and, and loved them. And, and, and uh, so he, he got some followers, but he failed, to, he failed to win most of the people over. So he and his followers, they left, formed a new church. Now, what did Marcion teach? Marcion taught that the God of the Old Testament, the creator who created the universe, made everything, was evil. Have you ever heard of that? He said that the God who created the universe, greater the world, is evil. Uh, he used Plato's term uh, for this evil creator called the demiurge. Marcion said, that's why we live in an evil world. It was made by an evil creator. But Marcion said, well, yes, but there was this second God who was hidden uh, until he revealed himself in Jesus. This, is the, this God is the God of love. So, you can imagine what Marcion's Bible was like. He, first, he cut off, got rid of all the Old Testament. No good. That's the bad God. And there were four Gospels written about Jesus. So, he got rid of Matthew, Mark, and John because they had too much Old Testament in them. He kept Luke because it had the least. And then he cut out all those parts that he didn't like out of Luke. And then he also edited Paul's letters. And so, removing whatever else didn't fit his theory. And Marcion was pretty good at persuading people to come to his way of thinking, and he started some other new congregations around. And it was because of Marcion, a response was composed, which uh, was the earliest version of the Apostles' Creed uh, in the mid to, to late 2nd century. It was called the Roman Symbol. And, and it contains the, the vast majority of, of what we call the Apostles' Creed. So, when we say, I believe in, in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, we're saying our creator, our God who created everything is the God of Genesis. The one who said, let there be light. And it's the same God that Jesus called Father. Um, I selected Psalm 19 as our scripture reading, or part of it today. Um, it's one of the most well-known psalms. And as we heard earlier, it starts by saying, uh, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. So it's saying one way, one way to experience God is to look up. 
the word heavens in the Bible can either mean the abode of God or it can mean the skies above. Well, here in this context, it means the skies above. Now, the sky is not going to tell you everything you need to know about God, but it can point you to God. Now, if a massive hurricane category 5 monster comes through and wipes out the Caribbean, I'm not going to say God sent that hurricane. I mean, the book of, Revel the book of Romans says that, that creation is in bondage. It's, it's, it's kind of some, part, somewhat broken, and creation is waiting to be set free. So, as a source of theology, weather is woefully inadequate. Would we agree? <laughs> yeah. But still, the sky speaks to the glory of God. So, when we receive some much-needed rainfall, you know, I'm going to feel pretty free to thank God for that, for creating the world that, to provide for us. Jesus says that the Father causes the sun to shine and the rain to fall as a blessing for everyone. So, I understand we had record snow this last month. Is that right? Yeah. And uh, I thought, so we would really enjoy the sound of some spring rain. Now, is that a statement of faith or what? Huh? So I've asked Polly Pierce. There she is, our director of student ministries to help come and help lead us. So what I'm do, hoping is that this is going to be a way for us to experience the glory of God the, who created the heaven and earth. And so we're going to make a little rain. Hey, Polly. Here we go. Are you ready? Are we ready? Oh, my gosh. Okay, great answer. Okay, so we're going to make it rain together as a group. So here we go. We have, I'm, we have three actions that you guys are going to learn. Um, you might have done this before. If you have, great. If you haven't, totally great, too, because you're going to do it for the first time. Uh, but we're going to do three different actions, and then I'm going to have you guys stand, and then we're going to do it together. We're going to make it rain. Cool? Awesome. Okay, so uh, uh, it's cold outside. My hands are a little bit chilly this morning, so I like to rub my hands. Oh, my gosh, they are kind of cold, though. So we rub our hands. Awesome. So that's step one, action one. The next one is this. I told the first service, and I'll tell you, uh, I could never snap my fingers until I got a dog. <laughs> they're like, get over here. And then the next one, we're just going to pat our legs. Awesome. Done. So I'm going to have you guys stand up right where you're at. You don't have to move, but just stand up. And as I come in front of your section, just do the action that I tell you to do. Okay? Work? That, does that work? Yeah. Okay, are we, all, are we all in? Okay, here we go. Ready?
Let's see if we can get really loud. Like it's coming down on the, on the roof. Now let's see if we can shh. That's one of these. <laughs> Isn't there some stillness in it all? Some peace in it all? You guys made some rain. Good job. Give you guys yourself a yeah, Thank you, Polly. All right, you can have a seat. Have a seat. Anybody got <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, you know, there are, there are a lot of ways to experience this God who created the heavens and the earth. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a photographer. I don't own a camera except for the one that's on my phone. But I do like to capture some moments uh, once in a while, and so I thought I'd just share a few of them with you. Um, here's one. Uh, I, did pull, I did pull off the road to get this, just so you know. And I was driving home from Schuyler, Nebraska, and this rainbow was just, you know, arcing all across from one horizon to the next. And I thought, I've got to go capture that. I didn't get real good color with it, but... Um, and I found out that it's true that no matter how long you chase a rainbow, you will never catch it, right? And then here's one I caught. This is a wall cloud that was moving in. I was driving uh, south on I-29 one time and, uh, and got this. And just love that, that photo. And then uh, this one is at our house. I stepped out of my deck one morning and it was just, wow. And so I was able to, to get that one. And then... The last one is uh, my daughter and I were fishing out at Lake Zerinsky, and I'm not sure we caught any fish, but I caught that photo, so that was worth it. Um, the Bible says that the earth is filled with the glory of God. The earth is filled with the glory of God. I want to put up uh, Psalm 19, the first few verses, up on the screen. And uh, we're going to just kind of go back to it to experience it by, by reading it to each other, kind of the left side and then the right side, okay? So let's do that, shall we? And I'll kind of lead both. The heavens, let's try it. Here we go. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. 
in his autobiography, the late Chuck Colson, who's the founder of Prison Fellowship Ministry, tells about when he was a young Marine, uh, a young Marine officer, and he and others received orders to ship out uh, to Guatemala. They were going to protect U.S. interests there during a communist uprising. Now, Colson was not a believer at this point in his life. Here's what he says. He's, he kind of paints a picture here. He says, The sea that night was like glass, the air heavy and hot. As I stood on the deck, everything was blackness except for the red and green running lights of other ships in our task force and the thousands of stars flickering in the sky. I'd never seen so many stars. A shower spray of tiny pinpoints of light like a 4th of July sparkler. He says it was almost midnight and I was fearful of what might lie ahead, how I would handle myself, realizing that I was responsible for the lives of 45 men. I suddenly felt insignificant, staring out into the universe, knowing that I was a tiny dot standing on a slightly larger dot floating on a sea that was that was huge and endless to me but was only another tiny dot compared to the vastness around me where does it all end I wonder he says my parents had taken me to an Episcopalian church when and school when I was a boy but it it never made much impression on me that night I became as certain as I had ever been about anything in my life that out there in that great starlit beyond was God. I was convinced that He ruled the universe, that to Him there are no mysteries, that He somehow kept it miraculously in order. In my own fumbling way, I prayed, knowing he was there, questioning only whether he had time to hear me. Colson says that soon his life got busy and he kind of pushed that experience aside, but, but later, when Christ became real to him, he recalled that night. I remember when I was, I was 15 years old and I, I didn't know if I believed in God or not anymore. And I'd spent some time, I, didn't know, I hadn't really been making very good progress at finding God either. So after nearly a year of searching, I decided that I needed to try a different approach. I'd been operating under the assumption that there was no God, that God did not exist, almost like I was daring God. If, you, if you're there, then you're going to have to prove it to me. So then I began to wonder, well, maybe my assumption is part of the problem. So I decided to try a new hypothesis. I decided to operate under the hypothesis that God does exist and search for him from that point of view. Well, as it turned out, it turned out to be an important step that eventually allowed me to find God to experience Jesus for myself. So I would say that if you're, you know, I would say most of us here believe in God, we're good at that, but not all of us. Some of you are really wrestling with whether there's God, how real he is. 
um, or at all. And, and, and so I would say, just try that. Try, try faith as a hypothesis for a while. Go about your life as if God is real. Talk to Him. Learn from Him. Worship Him. Listen to people's experiences of God. When you're out and enjoying the beauty of creation, appreciate Him and see where that takes you. And so, for those of you who believe in God, and those of you who are willing to try it as an experiment, I ask you to repeat after me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Amen.